When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. everyone and welcome to Pixels, which is a show where we talk about video games, one of many. We talk about video game news, try to figure out exactly what's been happening in the past couple of weeks. Uh, we cover, uh, we're going to cover today PAX and GDC. I think PAX is going to be mostly uh, Blizzard news, unless I've missed a, a few other important tidbits. Um, but GDC is going to be all about Steam Machines, uh, Steam Links, VR, and all of that good good stuff, which I think we were pretty enthusiastic for uh, two weeks ago on the last episode. I, and something weird happened in the, the in those two weeks. We'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, at least it, something weird happened in my mind, which might be the fact that I'm fresh out of a, a dentist appointment. Uh, as I was saying earlier to my two wonderful co-hosts, that might be the reason why I might not be fully coherent, uh, but also it might be because I'm just, you know, never really coherent. Uh, James and Jeff are both back on the show. James from the UK, Jeff from the US. How are you guys doing? Great. I'm doing good. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, James is more, is it fair to say you're kind of an indie focused uh, gamer and uh, journalist? Um, the, the majority of the professional work I do is indie focused because that's the niche I could get into, but I play everything. Okay. I, yeah, I think it's fair to say that I'm indie focused. Okay. All right. Uh, but you're, as all of us, a gamer, which is all encompassing, uh, of course. Uh, and Jeff, uh, Jeff Canada, to N1Ts, is an I love everything gamer. <laughs> I think enthusiasm <laughs> is the thing that defines you. Well, okay, I'll take that. Yeah, it's it's it it seems like uh, it's a recurring theme in your uh, in your life at least from what I've been uh, I've been following. Yeah, that's uh, fair. I, I when I when we did uh, the totally rad show, we used to like to say uh, we were bringing the enthusiasm back to enthusiast press. <laughs> that I I don't remember that uh, that catchphrase, but um, it's pretty good, and uh, and certainly you you were driving it. And from what I've heard in in the recent uh, weeks. That enthusiasm is sort of semi morphing into uh, something of a little bit of aggression in <laughs> Heroes of the Storm, which is your new gaming darling, right? Uh, yeah, I have gotten way down the rabbit hole for Heroes of the Storm. It's, uh, it's really the first MOBA that I've loved. I know a lot of people who are Dota or League of Legends uh, aficionados consider it sort of uh, my first MOBA. But it really was my first MOBA, and I love it. 
And uh, I've gotten to the point now where I can, yeah, I can get easily frustrated when uh, <laughs> people don't don't do their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> that is completely understandable. I might have gotten frustrated in a few games, not MOBAs, but others. And yeah, sometimes words that you don't mean come out. And uh, I, you know, I like to uh, I like to stay positive, and I I, I don't enjoy indulging that side of uh, of the frustrations. But um, I do feel like that is a uniquely team-based game and it requires um, at least a willingness or an, an, a desire to be part of the team and work cohesively as a unit. And when people just don't seem to care, uh, that makes me upset. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's like if you accidentally, if you shoot off and you stun someone really well and no one goes in, you, you right. get frustrated easily. You don't want to take out on them. It's like, come on, guys, I set that up. Right. Well, or we're you know we're in a we're in a four v five situation because our fifth member is off doing something in the corner on his own. It's like, hey, everybody's in the fight except you, pal. Why is that? <laughs> we're gonna we're going to we will lose. We cannot win this because you are off Picking doing something. Flowers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I certainly understand um, when there isn't even a willingness to be trying to do the right thing when you're trying and failing it's one thing right. but when you're just at, like actively sabotaging your teammates game uh, i understand that can become frustrating for sure yeah um, i've been in situations where people have literally said to me in chat oh, i don't even care if i win or lose and i say well then <laughs> why, why are, are you, you here yeah go play co-op mode i i don't i don't mind if that's your perspective but don't get into my game where hey i I, you know, I want to win. I'm playing to win. I'm not going to be mad if I lose. I'm going to be mad if someone on my team, my team doesn't care about winning. You know, mm. that's, let's all at least try. And if we get honestly beat, then we get honestly beat and I can accept that, but at least play to win the game. Yeah. Pull you away and, and contribute. Yeah. yeah. Or try, try at least. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, uh, Blizzard at PAX has uh, made a couple of announcements that, that well, one of them might be uh, trying to address this issue, but maybe not in the way that is going to be satisfying to you uh, and solve your problems, Jeff. Um, so just to step back just for a second, uh, PAX, is, uh, PAX East is a yearly show in Boston uh, where Blizzard now goes pretty regularly. It started back when I was still at the company, uh, disclaimer, I used to work for Blizzard Entertainment, so maybe I'm going to be uh, making a little bit larger sized segment for Blizzard's announcements because I'm just so excited about their games. Um, but they talked about Heroes of the Storm uh, in a conference where they also discussed Hearthstone and Overwatch, which we'll get to. Um, but for Heroes of the Storm, they mentioned that they would be allowing in an upcoming patch the muting of team players. And it would seem like that would go against, uh, it would favor the people who are going off doing their own thing, you know, in, in, it, without caring about the team, whereas the people who try to construct a strategy can be muted. I don't know how efficient this is going to be for team play. It's going to mute the, the trolls and the guys who are just genuinely screaming at you, but... Well, I think it, I think what it is is it's going to be a data point for Blizzard. Uh, if there is one player who's constantly muting, is the muter of people, I think that's telling in, in one way as well. So if you have a person who's constantly going off on their own and muting the rest of the team, I think that's as damning uh, you know, a, a, a piece of data as somebody who's constantly muted by others. Uh, so I think 
ultimately I, what I hope they use it for is to just gather data on players and play styles. And then, you know, their, I think their proposed goal is to do what I think a lot of other multiplayer games have been doing. I think, um, I think Halo no, was, did it. Hmm. Anyway, putting people in their own corral, you know, corralling together all of the unpleasant people and making them all play with each other. Right. Yeah. Halo definitely does do that. And Titanfall did it very recently as well, where right. everyone trolled played by themselves. <laughs> like on uh, the yeah, naughty there, step. There was something about um, LOL as well. I, I listened to a, to a super interesting talk by a LOL developer who was saying, ultimately, we, we put those kinds of people together. And if they want to play, you know... Uh, I think it might even have an influence on the uh, gaming, uh, you know, the game as a whole, because no one wants to be playing with people who are just going off doing their own thing all the time and therefore losing all the time. Although I mm -hmm. guess if they're also matched up against other people who do that as well, then the chances are a little bit more balanced. But um, they also announced uh, clans of up to nine players. Uh, so you can, you always need, you can only have one team. You can't have two teams uh, running in parallel uh, you had because one team needs five players. Uh, that's kind of cool. And then another thing, aside from Sylvanas, which I'm not sure... Um, Jeff, you know, you're the big uh, uh, heroes guy, so if you want to jump in and tell me how awesome one of these things is, please do. Um, They're all super awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing that was pretty cool is Heroes of the Dorm, which is a uh, a way for a t sort of tournament that will ultimately allow uh, the winning team or teams to earn a, a college scholarship. And that is also going to be televised on the F ESPN. I'm saying televised, but might be just ESPN, like weird internet ESPN. But my understanding is that ESPN is like a huge deal in the US and that this legitimizes uh, esports uh, slowly, slowly. Uh, yeah, I don't think that you'll find it televised on actual ESPN on 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 the cable uh -huh. channel, but ESPN has a bunch of arms. I could be wrong about that. I'm just, I'm just you my gut. You might but, do. I mean, Dota yeah. 2's International was televised on ESPN last summer, so it could be. I I, I don't actually I don't understand how ESPN works either. Properly, <laughs> was it possible. was it televised on actual ESPN or like ESPN two or something? I think you know? it was ESPN two, but yeah. I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, not to not to minimize it at all but yeah i think you know there's a lot of different broadcast variants uh, of espn but it, it is a big deal it's a big deal and uh i find it funny that you know it basically this context is if you spend all your time in college not studying and playing <laughs> heroes instead we'll pay for your college <laughs> <laughs> that is you know that does seem like a cool deal except uh, there are going to be how many you know a few i don't know a few dozen teams competing and only a, a few people who are going to actually get the the, the right. tuition so everybody you know, else flunks out exactly well, well i mean that happens with with college sports now anyway doesn't it it kind of happens good with point. football and baseball yeah it's an excellent point more parallels yeah so you know esports is just like uh, regular sports once yeah. again mm-hmm um, another game which I think uh, a lot of people have been uh, very much into recently is Hearthstone, and uh, they announced a few cool things. The first one was uh, a sneak peek at the iPhone Android phone uh, UI, uh, saying that it would be uh, released in the next couple of months, more or less. And the UI looks like it could work on the phone. They basically 
uh, blew up all of the essential elements. So every, all the, the cards and the minions and all of that looks like it's zoomed in a little bit on the, it takes more screen real estate. And uh, I, I, I've been getting back into Hearthstone recently and I don't know if I'm going to be playing on the phone, but if I am, there's going to be no stopping the Hearthstoning. <laughs> Except for maybe spotty cell phone coverage, huh? Which, yeah, I, I, I'm really hoping, you know, this might be a serious motivator for uh, ISPs to get better coverage, you know, mobile service operators to increase their coverage, or at least for us to lobby them to do so. We don't have good coverage in the, in the metro in Paris. And that I wonder if this will result in more dropped games in, in total, or if they have a plan for that. I'm guessing it will. Um, people are going to drop. Right. I wonder what, so. yeah. I wonder what happens with what happens now with the disconnected games in Hearthstone. Is it just counted as a loss if you lose? It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think you're going to have to be somewhat sure that you can uh, that you can finish your game if you start it on your phone. Uh, yeah. On don't the other start hand, that arena run uh, on yeah. your phone, man. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, the um, you, you you have like a couple of minutes to reconnect. So there's still a chance. Just run to that next tower. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They also announced the Blackrock Mountain Adventure with uh, what was a pretty lovely uh, song that uh, on on another show I do, The Instant, Scott Johnson kept playing to very much to the (laughs) light of the other uh, hosts. And uh, it's going to work just like Naxxramas. It's going to be a fight between... uh, Ragnaros and Neltharion, for those who know what those uh, are, it's very much ingrained in Warcraft lore. Um, there's going to be dwarves, and some cards were, I'm not going to detail them here, but some cards are, are have really cool mechanics. One of the things I, I liked, um, so yeah, it's going to be a bunch of wings that you open, you, you beat the bosses, they have special different powers, and you earn in total 31 cards. So it's not going to change everything um, in the game, but it's going to push it in certain directions. Uh, one thing I enjoyed was the way they are including dragons and the interaction mechanics between dragons, because it's not going to be like murlocs or mechs or that kind of thing. It's going to be, if usually, if you hold a dragon in your hand... Uh, it's going to have an effect on another minion you would play that could or could not be a dragon, which is kind of cool because it does, I read that on Reddit and I thought it was very astute. Uh, It kind of keeps the power feeling of the dragon. That is that one big thing, big thing you keep in your hand. Um, And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're swarming your enemy necessarily with dragons. Um, So yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Do you guys uh, play Hearthstone? I play it on a very basic level. Like I, I play, I find a deck on uh, half head, and I play it for maybe like when I don't have access to my computer, I'll play it. But I don't play it enough to understand the meta behind it. Okay. Yeah, I so- play it a lot. I love it. Uh, I tend to, I tend to get focused. I only have room in my life for one Blizzard game at a time. Um, <laughs> Blizzard games own me, and um, they tend to cannibalize each other. So now I'm sort of in the heroes thing and I played a lot less of Hearthstone but I have to say I love how Blizzard finally has a property that they can update 
much more frequently. <laughs> There's, you know, the history of Blizzard is a, is a is a story of delays and when it's done and long waits for you know sequels and expansions to things. And he, how cool is it that they finally have a product where it's like, hey, guess what, guys? We're announcing a new expansion and it's going to be out next month. Boom. Um, and <laughs> and it, we just had another expansion. What a two months ago, three months ago. Uh, the fact that they can put these out that frequently, they're still full of imagination and, and interest. You know, it, it's very much the Magic the Gathering model, but mm-hmm. they're able to do such interesting things like this, um, you know, the uh, the fight that happens, the boss battle that happens in the bar where one of the – you're not fighting right. one boss. You're fighting everyone at the bar and random cards <laughs> just keep popping into the fight. Uh, it's just clever and it's something you can only do digitally and you, you really would have a hard time doing that with physical cards on a table. So mm-hmm. uh, kudos to them. I, I just I just love this product. It's uh it's interesting that you you see this as the um <laughs> the the property that they're updating a more on a more regular basis, which certainly it's is true. Uh but as um you know as a former employee of the company that had to do with communication um <laughs> it it wasn't it's not like delay internal delays aren't you know a, a thing as well um there's a talk by um Josh Mosquera at uh, GDC I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit uh, about the road to redemption with Reaper of Souls with Diablo 3 um and he goes into much detail of everything that's happened in the Diablo 3 uh, story, really, and uh, the the launch issues, the launch ecstasy, and how they worked to do things and to fix the issues that they had, um, and the numbers, the insane numbers that they saw initially on that first weekend. Um, it's it's really maybe it's because I was living this uh, again from the inside, which it's it speaks to me in a very personal way. Uh, but they also mentioned he also mentions uh, you know we do have <laughs> internal milestones, and it's it's um, they're not always met. I'll I'll put it like that. Um, oh, I believe it. <laughs> and uh, go go check out that that talk by Josh Mosquera. Uh Diablo 3's Road to Redemption with Reaper of Souls, especially if you're uh into in the gaming industry, it's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful talk. Mm-hmm. Uh Overwatch. Are you guys excited for Blizzard FES? I'm I'm getting more and more interested. I haven't yet had hands on with it, but everyone that I have heard from who has has spoken very highly of it. And uh, you know, I'm I'm such a fan of that company and their level of of quality that they hold themselves to. I I have fallen out of love in recent years with first person shooters in general, but uh, I'm certainly willing and eager to have something win me back and make me uh, love them again. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm a big fan of like the the arena based first person really fast shooters, and there's always something, always looking for the new thing in it. And I, I really enjoy Blizzard games as well, and I'm really excited to see what they do with it. So I um, I had a, the chance to play it at uh, BlizzCon a few uh, months ago, and uh, at this show, I, th- I have to say I was a little bit disappointed. They announced the beta will be coming fall 2015, which I was sort of holding out hope that it would be sooner than that. Uh, but, you know, that's what happens with uh, Ready, you know, when it's done, Blizzard Entertainment. Mm-hmm. But they also announced a couple of very cool characters uh, for somewhat different reasons. McCree is the Clint Eastwood robot uh, uh, cowboy, more cowboy than robot, actually. Uh, and I think he embodies why 
Overwatch is exciting is because they give these abilities in this uh, team-based arena uh, objective shooter, uh, competitive shooter, and they give these the, these abilities to the to the characters that seem completely overpowered from that mm -hmm. character's point of view. And you look at those and you're like, holy crap, I want to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the McCree's uh, abilities are uh, basically shooting his uh, pacifier. And uh, with the right click, he can just empty his, uh, his uh, clip or his barrel in very rapid succession. So it's like, you know, uh, a super quick hand on the, on the hammer, boom, 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 boom. I'm shooting my six bullets in one go. And his high noon, I think it's called, um, ability slows down time. Actually, in your game, it slows down. And hmm. I was wondering how they could even make that work, because obviously the other characters are not going to be slowed down, but it slows down for you. And after about three, four seconds, uh, you have reticles that manage to get to the enemies that you have in your field of vision, the enemies' heads. And if they, when you press the button, all of those that have reticles on their heads die instantly. Hmm. And that seems super awesome on the other hand uh the people on the you know uh, that are not executing that move so everyone else actually can see you slowing down because in the game for everyone else you are slowing down there's a little tumbleweed that goes you know rolls behind you and they can kill you a lot more easily obviously because you're very slow at that point um so i just thought this is the kind of balance uh thing and and coolness factor that blizzard does really well and that game brings to the mix because it's like having you know superheroes or i'm fond of saying it's like having uh fighting game characters that are are all so different within the game yeah and it looks like they're going after so valve with dota do the same thing where they basically balance characters around the idea that everybody is overpowered so yeah so with McCree, he's he's overpowered in this one specific aspect, and if you can use him well, then you've then you can be play a lot better than anyone else. For sure. And if you can play other characters to counter that, then no one's overpowered because everyone's balanced with the fact that playing your character well will eliminate that overpoweredness. And they do that really well. It was one of the design tenets of uh, World of Warcraft as well. It's everyone should feel overpowered, and you know, mm -hmm. feel being the operative word here, of course. Yes. Um, the second character is Zaraya, uh, which is a badass butch Russian woman uh, whose name, by the way, my friend uh, Pierre on, on Twitter told me that uh, her the name uh, on the uh, gun, there is a graving on, an engraving on her gun, which uh, translates as Avenger. And on uh, the chest, there's shield. So it's kind of a Marvel uh uh, hmm. uh, reference there apparently and mccree has bamf on his belt which is the nightcrawler <laughs> teleportation uh animophia. so he does it is but i i'm fairly sure it stands for badass uh mother effer no i i i get that too but eh, if, you, if you're talking marvel references if you're gonna yeah. make avenger yeah. and shield into marvel references then fair enough yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and the other thing is, so she has pretty cool abilities. You know, she has like a gravity well that sucks everyone in um, with her her big uh, uh, power move. Uh, but he also it was um, oh god, I'm gonna forget the name. Uh, Jeff Kaplan, 
I can't forget that name. Uh, Jeff Kaplan was doing the presentation and he mentioned uh, that one of the reasons uh, for designing uh, Zoraya was, first of all, he actually said they talk about diversity a lot and famously uh, Mike Morheim uh, mentioned this at BlizzCon last year uh, and he mentioned it again he said diversity was an important value for them and they were paying more attention to it uh, which as I often say in this show is a value it's a, an issue that's uh, dear to my heart so I appreciated that but he also mentioned the fact that they were mindful of integrating different body types and certainly Zaraya is a heavier uh, body type than most of the video game characters even in, including in, in Overwatch so I think it's it's good and refreshing to see that they're caring, uh, they're worrying and caring about this and that also it doesn't need to be an entire controversy every time something like that is mentioned. It's just, hey, we care about this. Zoraya is cool. She's badass. As long as she's badass, who cares whether, you know, she's a woman, heavier, whatever. Yeah. She's just cool. So Yeah. This is a very good at that kind of thing. Mm. All right. Uh, that's about it for PAX. Let's move on to GDC and uh, St- Steam Machines, which we discussed uh, quite a little bit last uh, last episode. And... For some reason, I thought it was going. I was going to be more enthusiastic about this than I actually am. Uh, we discussed it a little bit before we started recording, and I think you guys are also uh, not as hyped as maybe we thought we would be a while ago about Steam Machines, right? Maybe Jeff, if you can give us your feelings on it. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's certainly a large product line across a whole bunch of different companies with a whole bunch of different specs and a whole bunch of different price points, which sounds to me like buying a PC has always been. Um, mm-hmm. This feels more like the the rollout of an OS than in really the, the rollout of a, of a hardware spec because uh, you're really in uncharted waters anyway, and there doesn't seem to be any unifying aspect of Steam Machines per se that helps you make an informed decision, which is kind of the dream, right? The dream of the PC as a console is something developers can can uh, develop for and know exactly what you're getting so that you w- will have a game that performs a certain way no matter which, which Steam machine you buy. That's not the case. Uh, you are still going to have widely varying performance issues based on the hardware that you're purchasing, based on how much money you're spending. Uh, really, what is happening is you're having the option of, of having Steam OS, which for me is not particularly compelling. And I think it's even more telling that a lot of these Steam machines will dual boot Windows and Steam OS. So even those companies are are showing some sort of uh, equivocation over whether you know they think customers are going to want a pure SteamOS machine. Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle to see what the difference is between buying an alien, buying the Alienware Steam machine to going down to PC World and buying a computer there right now, apart from the fact that they're installed on SteamOS. The whole idea of them, as you said, Jeff, the whole idea of them being uniformly built for developers was the original thing. But the fact that everything's coming with different hardware is doesn't help that at all. I really me, think, yeah. Sorry, James. I was just going to say that to me, it feels like Valve are trying to launch their own. Like they want to go up again. They want to be. They want it to be SteamOS versus Mac versus PC. It. 
You know, that's what it felt initially, but it feels like their heart, their heart isn't in it anymore. I, I'm wondering if they weren't doing this as a reaction to Windows's proprietary path that they were going down. Um, and that now that they, they've, you know, it seems they've made up or maybe received assurances from Microsoft that gaming, you know, open gaming isn't going anywhere. They're like, all right, we said we were going to do it, so we have to, but whatever. The, the, they're just PCs with an OS where, by the way, having SteamOS cuts you off from, it's Linux-based. So it, it, even though there are a lot more Linux games now than there were before, uh, there are uh, there's only a fraction of what is available on PC. So by the mere fact that you would be installing SteamOS on your machine, you were limiting your game library and that might be fine but i was kind of wondering whether they you know if they would be going with like a three specs uh, tier system like there would be good better best as apple sometimes do it does it um and you would at least have and, and they would be rolling so every year they would update the good better best uh designs and that would at least give you a little bit of direction but that's as you were saying, Jeff, it's not the case at all. It feels very discombobulated, something like <laughs> Easy that. Easy for you to say. <laughs> and especially with the Steam Link, which is basically, to, to sum things up, the Steam Link is a $50 piece of hardware that is a gamer's version of the Apple TV or, or the Roku box or whatever. And it allows you to, it's optimized for streaming Steam games. So if your goal is to be playing Steam games on your PC, why do you need an entire machine? You probably, I'm guessing, already have a, um, a, a PC w where you have games uh, in your house. And if that Steam link works really well, you connect a Steam controller to it and it would work as well as a as a very expensive steam machine would because the prices range from $450 to $2000 there aren't any cheaper options so i don't know i'm 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 feeling guilty that i'm lukewarm but i'm definitely lukewarm even more than that i mean i i'm much more excited about the steam link than the steam machines because of what it could allow me to do with a like if i was to have friends around to play uh Nidhogg or something i can plug my steam link into my tv link up to my computer and play games on my tv like that right but yeah i'm lukewarm on the steam machines as well because i would much rather build a pc myself for probably the same cost and have access to my full library as opposed to one that's cut down but I think I'm not sure the Steam machines as as individual machines would necessarily be aimed at us. Could we, as gamers, recommend a Steam machine as an alternative to a, a console for a friend who wants a, a good gaming machine? So they, if they can doable into if say one of our friends came up to us and said, "Hey, I'm looking to get into PC gaming. Oh, I've got a thousand pound to spend. What should I buy?" Then I would. Uh, Assuming they can boot into SteamOS and Windows, I would recommend a Steam machine. But if you can boot into Windows, just as a side note, you don't even need SteamOS because the that, only thing it does is a subset of what you can do on Windows. With that's Steam. true, but with a Steam machine, I feel like mm. we know that they're going to work, right? And they're not going to be overpriced as well for what you're getting. Whereas mm. if you were to buy a pre-built uh, window, pre-built Windows machine from someone like Best Buy or uh, I buy power, then that might be a more overpriced machine. I don't know. Of, the Steam machines seemed a little bit overpriced as well, but that's true. Um, I don't know. 
And then, of course, we um, we also have mutual friends who work for things like Doghouse, who and I would recommend people go there instead of SteamOS. I think it very much comes down to what the customer wants from those Steam machines or from their buying machine. Yeah. Um, if someone was looking for a casual experience, I would send them to a console. But if someone was looking exactly. for... Exactly. Well, think- it, it even gets more interesting now that Windows 10 has such, uh, such interesting gaming... Uh, functionality, you know, the, the sort of crossover well. to uh, to Xbox Live and all that seamless integration. I think I think it makes, and you know, we had um, we had David Eckleberry on DLC this week, who is a, uh, a game designer for Fable Legends. He's the game director, uh, so he works with Microsoft. Obviously, their first party uh, at Lionhead, but um, so you know, take what he has to say with a grain of salt. But he also pointed out that perhaps this this is a really good thing that it keeps Microsoft on the ball and. You know the stuff that they're doing with Windows 10 is a reaction to how dominant Steam is, and that having competition in the marketplace is good, and it makes certain that uh, the Windows team prioritizes gaming going forward in the OS, which it certainly seems Windows 10 does. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's certainly feels like there are, there is a level of reaction both on uh, on microsoft's part and and on valve's part um and and it's possible that that's what they were hoping to accomplish to begin with with the steam machines and now it's not really needed anymore and as well you know the steam link to me accomplishes everything i would need from uh a potential steam machine in my living room so i don't know for me the steam link killed the steam machine yeah (laughs) I mean, and Gabe Newell's come on come on record saying that he wants to get away from Microsoft. So I can I can see why these are coming out, but I don't see them having a place in modern yeah. day. Oh, now especially now that now it's a Steam Link, I can't see a place where the Steam machine belongs. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? Do you see do you see yourself recommending a Steam machine to someone? Anyone? Well, it's certainly these are high-end gaming machines, a lot of them, um, and there's a whole range. So I can certainly see there's a lot of really great systems on that list, and uh, many of them could run Windows just as easily as SteamOS, and many of them do. Many of them are come stock with both iOS, oh, excuse me, iOSs, both <laughs> OSs on uh, you know pre-installed. So. Yeah, I don't have any problem recommending these. I don't think it's I don't think it's a game changer in any way. I think it's it's mm-hmm. hey, gaming PCs. Here's some gaming PCs that are good gaming PCs. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm much more interested, I think, in um, testing out firsthand the new controller uh, mm-hmm. because I'm a little skeptical that I'll I'll like that just based on my experience with uh, touch pads in general. Um, I, I prefer having sticks there, so uh, the fact that they are people are touting these touchpads as being um, revolutionaries. It makes me much more intrigued. Well, there's there's one stick now. There's one stick and right. a set of buttons. So they did go back a little bit on the old, uh, t- on the old touchpad uh, version. Um, right. But yeah, it's certainly... The thing is, for m- most of the games, a lot of the games are sort of console controller enabled. In mm-hmm. those cases, you're probably going to want to be using a, a, contro- a console controller of some sort. But the promise of the Steam controller, which you're right, Jeff, is the key element of the the whole ecosystem. Uh, the promise of that controller is that it's going to be is going to enable you to actually play games that aren't 
console controller enabled and that right. i'm i don't know uh, i'm i'm just confused with how the controller is going to work in general i mean every game i can think of that's built for a controller now has two analog sticks i can't imagine playing a first person shooter with one well it's supposedly the right uh the right uh, trackpad type thing um acts as an analog it it acts uh, effectively as an analog controller it works like that but also allows you to do other things uh, okay uh, the people who have had hands-on with with the controller seem satisfied that it works, but yeah, it's certainly a tough thing to believe before you've had it in your hands. So absolutely, yeah, it look it looks very uh, alien. Yeah, um, VR, the Vive and the and Morpheus are uh, have both been introduced. Vive is basically the HTC manufactured version of the Valve VR platform. Um, it includes it, both Vive and Morpheus are a little bit different from what we've seen with the Oculus Rift in in um, recent months and years. Um, they so hardware wise they're they're both really efficiently made they're very uh, high quality hardware they have high quality screens with uh, excellent refresh rates so the nausea is very much minimized with both of those uh, devices um the HTC Vive or the the Vive ecosystem in general, I should say the Valve uh, VR uh, ecosystem in general, uh, will come out to developers in the spring and will be released in t at the end of this year. Uh, Morpheus is looking at uh, early to mid twenty sixteen for a commercial release, and. Both of those systems seem to be making quite a big deal of the fact that they have um, they they are integrating the room into your experience, not in the sense of you know Hololens that we saw from Microsoft, which is uh, virtual uh, uh, augmented reality, but in the sense that you can move around in the space that uh, is virtualized. Uh, by moving around in your room. And uh, you have, for this, you have, uh, in the case of uh, Valve VR, you have a couple of uh, base stations that detect your movements with uh, lasers. And when you get too close to a wall, it actually shows you the wall because it, it knows where it is. And I think it has cameras even, possibly, uh, in the, the, the headset. And so it shows you by transparency where you're going so that you don't bump into the wall. Um, and they also have controllers that act as your hands in the virtual world. So they are very much localized. They, they know where your hands are. And so they can simulate in the virtual world as well, your hands and what you do. And with the buttons, you know, you can grab stuff and things like that. So it's, in theory, a much more immersive world. But I'm sort of wondering if we're not just... I, do I... I don't really want to... First of all, our tiny European capitals' apartments are not yeah. going to be very friendly to that kind of uh, of setup. And second, I'm not sure I want to be, you know, walking around playing my video game. I'm... I, is that motion gaming problems all over again? I'm skeptical. To me, it sounds like they've taken Connect and Move and then added an Oculus to it, and they said, this is what we're going to do next. Right. And it's, it's, I mean, I like what Valve are doing. 
I like the idea of Valve VR because I know that Valve make good things, and I like and I like the idea of Lighthouse. But as you said, I don't want to have to use two motion sensing controllers to play my games. If I wanted to do that, well, I'd go and do something. I think that you're going to find, and, and this is just speculation on my part based on what they showed, mm-hmm. but I think you're going to find that it's going to be a lot less like, quote unquote, motion control uh, than it will be like just sort of knowing where you are in space and making your input into the game uh, a natural human movement rather than uh, rather than a button press on a controller. And I think that's really – from. Obviously, I haven't had uh, – I wasn't there, so I haven't had hands-on. But I've heard – I had many conversations with people who did. And the thing that's so compelling and so interesting to me is, you know, they talk about this um, this painting program, this sort of – you're standing in a room and you've got the two controllers in your hand and you can paint an object in space. So, you you know, you move your hand around, you make a circle and you put two dots for eyes and a little smiley face, right? So you make the smiley face. Mm. Well, now you can walk around it because it's actually a 3D object in space and you can walk to the side of it uh, where it would normally be a two-dimensional object and now you can draw a nose out in the third dimension. And now you look down at your at one of your hands, which is mapped in three dimensions. And when you move or your hand around, it actually moves because you're holding that controller and that controller is sensed by the cameras. And in your hand is a palette uh, with all kinds of different paint colors. And you take your other hand that has the paintbrush in it and you tap the color that you want to paint with and you start painting in that color. So you're not selecting it from a button. You're not going into a menu. You're actually doing the physical motion that you would. And that other demo that they showed that was sort of the um, sky something or other, the, the three-dimensional board game that is a board game that lives in your room and you walk around it and you touch the part, uh, the, the piece over on the left-hand side of your room to move to that and you move to the right-hand side of your room. You're literally walking around it, observe, observing it and interacting with it like you would any object that really exists in your, in your physical space. So it's not about jumping up and down and waggling your arms and legs and doing the things that we accustom, uh, we're accustomed to with Connect or or we. It really is about placing you in a physical location that is virtualized and having you be able to interact with it in a completely natural, non-video gamey way. And I think that's transformatory. I think it's revolutionary. I think it's huge, and I think it's going to open up video games to a whole group of people, if they're willing to give it a try, that wouldn't even understand how to interact. And we've got all these new ways to live inside a virtual environment. Live is is not the word I want. To <laughs> interact inside of, yeah. uh, of a, you know what I mean? It's It's allowing you to be there, be present, and feel like you can reach out and touch things and manipulate the the game environment in a in a human way rather than in a controller way. Yeah, so now you've put it that way, I'm a lot more on board. I hadn't heard of the of that paint uh, simulation, but that sounds like exactly what I want from this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it. I have to admit, your <laughs> your enthusiasm for this yeah. is, is kind of communicative. Infectious, yeah, infectious yeah. for sure. Um, so I'm I'm sort of half convinced now of the potential. Well, the potential, I'm convinced. It's just I'm not exactly sure how that relates to gaming. And the parallel I'm still drawing to uh, motion gaming is the idea that when you're going to be playing for, you know, a couple of hours uh, long sessions, then 
the the mere fact that you would need to be standing up and moving around and moving your arms and it's easy to make fun of this and it's like oh you can't you know you're so lazy that you can't even be standing up but it's like it is more tiresome to be walking around if it's it's actual a tiny little bit of exercise and you don't necessarily want to be doing that when you're gaming so i'm not sure if it leads itself to sustained gaming experiences yeah so I'm that's where I, i'm if that's the, oh, go, you go ahead jeff yeah no no please i was i'm just okay i'm wondering if they're actually going to target this at gamers then or if it's going to be something they're making for the 3d modelers of that work in games now like developers because think about the stuff you could do with Maya or Blender with this ability to use your hands on sculptures. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be for, well, for, for everyone, but for, for gamers, for sure. Um, but Jeff, uh, yeah. Perhaps I'm Pollyanna. I, I tend to be. But <laughs> for me, I, what, what I think it, it will do is just blow out the concept of what a video game is, right? Do I still want to have the experience of sitting in, on my couch, relaxing, uh, playing a game, of course, that's that's what video game video gaming is now. We still want to do that. That's still fun. That doesn't have to be all video gaming is. That doesn't have to be all what interactive entertainment is. Could there be games where I'm walking around my apartment doing things? Yeah. Could there be games where sometimes I'm sitting, sometimes I'm standing? Yeah. There's going to be a I'm I'm hopeful that developers will take this technology and not go. How do we make a first person shooter in it? Although I'm sure there'll be plenty of that. Well, but that was the the Sony rather, demo actually. Uh, that, that which that looks cool. Showed. Yeah, it looks, looks cool. cool. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but my my point is that my hope is we will expand what video games are, and there will be whole new genres. There will be because there's new inputs, because there's new ways to experience these environments. We'll have interactive entertainment, interactive storytelling, games that we could not even imagine before this technology happened because there was no way for them to be fun before. And now there is. Now I can walk around and do something in my world or I can, uh, you know, I can interact with that board game in a way that making a board game on a computer is is dumb. You know, I just (laughs) think that there's going to be whole new possibilities and to say, well, video games have always been X, so we can't have Y now. It's like, well, nobody's taking away your X. They're just giving you Y. And yeah. there's going to be people trying to make X with this new thing, and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. But what I'm hoping for is that it's just going to be really new experiences instead of playing the 600th first-person shooter on a 2D screen with my video game controller <laughs> that's slightly different from the 299 other ones I've played. <laughs> I'm actually going to get these vastly new experiences that are just that, – that are unprecedented. Yeah, I think that's what it boils down to is that more more tools for developers to play with is more diversity in gaming and that's always good. Yeah. I you're you're very con- convincingly making yeah. me sound <laughs> like an old curmudgeon. Um you know like oh, I I like gaming to be my keyboard and mouse in front of my d- uh, uh display in front of my screen and that's it. Um Yeah. Well, I think I that's mean, a not, challenge. That's not quite Yeah, that's not quite where i was going but certainly it it led to it does lead to that i guess but um i I mean that's the challenge with the with these technologies right is that in order for them to take off in order them to become a thing um people need to try them i think that hearing about it 
or seeing video of some dork with a headset on wandering around a room, <laughs> stumbling around. It, it looks dumb, right? But if you've tried it, and I haven't tried these new ones, but I certainly have tried Oculus and was sold immediately on it. Um, and everyone that I've heard that's talked about Vive has said it is really next level, even from Oculus. Um, when you try it, it is extraordinary. It's an extraordinary feeling to be to move your head and do completely natural human movements and have them translated one to one into a virtual world. And and I think getting people to try it is going to be the biggest challenge in marketing these things because there's no way to do a television commercial that conveys <laughs> the experience. Yeah, I was listening to someone on the Giant Bomb podcast uh, earlier this week who were talking about they'd had experience with the Vive, and they were saying that what they saw was a model of one of the Portal 2 robots, right? Uh, life size, and then they turned around. There was one that was three stories high, <laughs> and because it's in front of your eyes, it gives you that its immediate instinctual reaction. That's re right. real reaction, and I think that it that is what VR is going to be. Is it's mm -hmm. going to be making stuff real and instinctual. And I agree with Jeff that it's about getting the developers to do something amazing with it. You need to get them to do that Super Mario 3D land with the Wii U. That's what we're going to need from VR, and then that will take off. That's, you know what? I'm, I think I'm sold. And, and ultimately, <laughs> the thing is, my worry about actually moving around and, and sustaining that for a couple of hours for a great uh, uh, video game experience, if that really doesn't work, then it's not like you're barred from sitting down and designing games where you're actually sitting down and, and doing more traditional type of things or you know less extreme VR immersion type of things. The, the, the devices work both, both in both cases, so it's not like uh, something is being taken away. Although the base stations plus the controllers plus you know the device itself it's going to start to get a little bit expensive i i think yeah but, this um, is going to be a super i think this is going to be like super enthusiast level stuff i mean it's going to be your, at least in the beginning for sure yeah it's going to be like i won't buy a titan x but a super enthusiast might and they'll be the ones playing with them now or i won't buy i didn't buy a dev kit oculus it's going to be the ones that the super video game enthusiasts yeah. go after but who? Mm. But kudos to them for not half-assing it. Kudos Absolutely. to them for for making the tech the way that they envision it. And uh, I wouldn't want someone to go halfway. I mean, I think the Gear VR is kind of evidence of this the halfway point. Yeah. And uh, that's not gonna. I don't think that's gonna move the needle. All right. I, think, I guess. Oh, uh, sorry. Go ahead. James. I just say it's a little bit odd that Valve are still even going ahead with it because didn't a lot of the Valve developers of VR move to Oculus earlier on? I remember Some seeing them. something about that. Yeah, yeah but, but it's not like Valve is going to go, oh, you guys left? Oh, all right. Well, well I guess I mean, we're not doing this anymore. I mean, it just shows it. how secretive Valve are and what's mm. going on in there because we knew that a bunch of them left. We had no idea they were still carrying on with it. And it's so like, Valve is such a unique company. And I, I would be unsurprised if they came out tomorrow and said something else was coming out. Mm. Because well, if they said if they said Half Life Three was exclusive to Steam VR, <laughs> how crazy would that be? Everybody I could see would them buy doing it. it. To be honest, because it would I mean, be the most brilliant marketing decision ever. Yeah, yeah, but I don't see it. I mean, the thing is, there are a bunch. What? How many? Like, uh, if it really costs, you know, in the neighborhood of five hundred dollars, I don't think 
it's one thing to be very excited and you know saying you would sell your soul for half life half half life three and confirming it in every piece of of marketing that valve puts out by strange numerology but then when it's actually time to shell out five hundred dollars for that one game or four hundred or three hundred even i don't know although at the oh, same yes. time you get a, a super cool vr system at you know, for the price. Yeah. So. The thing is, that's Valve not, has nothing to lose. They have yeah. nothing and, to lose. And it's not yeah. a difference price point between buying your your Xbox One for your Halo game. Right. Exactly. And yeah. there's precedent. Although I think it's going to be more launch. than 500 bucks. Oh, yeah. True. Oh, you think it's going to be more than 500 for the, oh, yeah. the Valve thing? Yeah. I would say 800-ish. Wow. I mean, I hope, not. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, me too. But I mean, the dev kits, the original dev kit for Oculus was what, $600? Uh, yeah. And then you have to add on the two motion sensing controllers onto this thing as well. Well, I'm, I'm hoping the, the headset itself is going to be in the 200 range fairly quickly. Uh, for We're the in a world product. where a company is selling a $17,000 wristwatch that will be obsolete <laughs> yeah. in a year. Let's, yeah. uh, let's not kid ourselves. All right. Well, I guess we'll see. I think the sweet spot is two to three hundred dollars max, max, max. I don't think well, they'll go beyond that. You, At you least for, that, for Sony. I will make that bet with you. The vibe will be more than two to three hundred dollars. Yeah. I will make if you that add bet everything, if you had the two base stations and the controller, yeah, maybe. I don't think they'll sell it without the base station. They might sell it without the controllers, mm. but I don't think you can buy it. I, I'd be surprised if you'd be able to buy it piecemeal because it, it won't work without the base stations is my understanding, or at least won't work as advertised. As intended, yeah. yeah. So how much, okay, something a little bit more consumer focused, uh, the Morpheus, how much do you think it would it will go for? Retail? Now that I think is going to be three ninety nine. I think that's going to be. I think they're going to try to aim for a consumer place. I'm, I'm hoping it's even less expensive. Two ninety nine would be great. Uh, that certainly seems. That, I think these are different markets, really, yeah. uh, that they're shooting for. And you can tell just from the design, right? The the Vive is like we built this industrial piece of hardware that's going to be slapped on your face and give you the craziest VR experience we can possibly do. And Morpheus is like, look how cool our lights are. I mean, I, I'm really excited for <laughs> yeah. Morpheus. I think it's going to be awesome, and it sounds awesome. But it certainly is much more consumer-focused, and it's going to be this plug-and-play option with uh, PS4. I think they're much more concerned with a mainstream market. And I think you know mm-hmm. everything that was said at GDC this last week was all about how they really designed it without price point in mind. But And it's not going to be cheap, but I, I feel like it's going to be cheaper than Vive will be. I don't think it can go beyond 299 I would say two fifty. Wow! Yeah, I think two fifty. Right, that'd be great. Yeah, it's you know the thing is you 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 have to sell it to people who already put four hundred dollars in a PS4. It's it's starting to become really expensive. I'm not, and they need to. You know, it's gonna fracture the market. It's gonna be you know the the as many as you know as much as the PS4 is selling. Once the the Morpheus comes out, uh, you you you're gonna have those who and you need to convince developers. You're gonna have those that have the uh, Morpheus and those that don't. And if that number stays too low, uh, the those who do, then developers are not gonna develop for it. So, and I mean, isn't that? I mean. I don't mean to jump ahead into the show, but you've got an article from a developer on that was uh, talking on Reddit and saying that basically developers aren't picking up Morpheus. 
Yeah, that's that's uh, well, we can we can talk about it and then move on because uh, VR is exciting. <laughs> but um, basically, it was a post on Reddit where the guy was det- detailing exactly that that issue, uh, and he added something else as well, which was for PCs you can take an existing game and you just bump up the power specs and display the image twice, one for each eye, and boom, you have sort of a base uh, VR game. For PlayStation, if you try to bump up bump up the power specs, it doesn't work. So your game cannot be easily translated into uh, a VR version of the game. So that's why developers are bullish on the on the Morpheus, and he thinks that the develop you know the the thing isn't gonna be uh, picked up too much. On the other hand, you know it's not like as we were discussing. It's not like you have to replicate the exact same experience. Quite the opposite. You probably want to go from scratch and create something that's adapted to the to the yeah. thing but yeah yeah all right um there were a bunch of conferences at uh, gdc uh, we're not going to go over all of them suffice to say that uh, game developers apparently favor steam and pc over other platforms and are not so um uh, concerned with uh, how to monetize their games. Apparently, that's something that uh, the higher-ups and the marketing folks worry about. And um, the other thing is that they were rating diversity as the second most important uh, concern in gaming, or not concern, but important thing in gaming after uh, game design. So it's good to see that this is getting... Uh, uh, getting mind share in the minds of uh, developers um and there was also an interesting talk about uh culture wars and uh how to handle a community which again is linked to the issues we've seen in the past year uh mm-hmm. with community and uh, uh and well diversity in general uh, yeah. the one i really i really um wanted to point to though and then you can tell me if you have remarks on all three of them is the no man's sky uh conference which was really fun because they were explaining how the world is so big it's procedurally generated it's so big that you actually cannot observe it as the you know the developers cannot go out and observe it by themselves it's so large that even if you spend you know a couple of minutes checking how it was generated because of the procedural generation if you go and check it out even a, a minute or two for, per system is go, or per per you know uh, uh, element is going to take 1.2 billion gajillion years so they built uh, robotic or virtual robotic space probes to go out and explore that virtual universe that doesn't exist and report on what they find uh, on what they find with uh, pictures and and uh, that kind of thing so that they can actually see what that universe they've created looks like and correct here and there when when that's needed i thought that was that was a really fun idea it's bizarre <laughs> it's, it's a game it's little guy little living things and games doing research on the game to report to their creators it's really <laughs> metaphysical and odd skynet and skynet yeah. it's all yeah. self-aware we're doomed <laughs> well that's that's a, a good uh, uh, comp- uh, uh balancing of the enthusiasm <laughs> no i i you know what i'm just ready to play that game i don't need to hear any more about it just i wake yeah. me when it wake me when it's out 
I don't need to hear any more, uh, <laughs> you know, metaphors as to why it's the biggest game ever and how everybody, will ha- I don't need any more of that. Just, just let's go radio silent until you give me a release date and then I'm ready. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a PS4 exclusive. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that's, I mean, do you have a PS4? I do not. Well, there you go. I, yeah. Uh, I'm a, uh, I, I mean, I'd wait. I'd wait a couple of days uh, before sure. I go out and shell out the money for a PS4 just for that game. But absolutely. Uh, uh, I mean, it's. I'm just. I mean, without seeing the game and having any experience with it, I'm surprised that at the at the power they can pull out of that machine. Then, considering like what you just said, the procedural generation with well. So once the game is generated, they don't need the power in the PS4. It's already generated. They, they just true, need to, to display it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so, server-based, isn't it? Yeah. It's not all Oh, no, not machine. even. I th- well, yeah, there is the server, but once it's, it's, it's done, it's done. They have the data of the world, and, and they don't need uh, to regenerate it every time. I don't think that's the way it uh, works. Okay, so I was under the impression that it was generating as you were going to the planet, so I didn't realize it was pre-generated. Okay. I, yeah, I, th- I, I don't think it's generated generating as you're exploring, and that's why they need the probes to see what's already been generated. So. That makes sense, yeah. Um, well, that's it for GDC. A few additional bits of news. Uh, if you're one of the people that doesn't have an Xbox One yet, uh, unlike James, who doesn't have a, a PS4... I have uh, neither. <laughs> you have neither? I have neither. That is a little bit disappointing, I have to say. I'm yeah. shocked. Yeah, shocked, my, James. my college buzz- budget does not allow consoles. <laughs> Well, you might want to think about the Xbox One then, because there's a Halo, the Master Chief Collection bundle coming, which I was sort of hoping would be coming out last year, and it didn't, but now it's here. I think that might be the thing that makes me pull the trigger. Does that game work yet, though, is the question. (laughs) Kind of. I don't know. Jeff, do you have it? Do I have what? The Master Chief Collection? Uh, I don't. No. Yeah, that's, uh, what, their 10th update that they've... uh... (laughs) Yeah. I, I know they've been like putting out updates like every two weeks since it came out. Oh, yeah. and unbelievable! It's still not working yeah. properly. Yeah. Well, I think it's working well enough that they're doing a bundle now, so um, I think it's fairly safe. Um, the other thing is Rock Band Four has been confirmed, um, and I think I was listening to to DLC a couple of weeks ago, and you guys were mentioning how. Actually, there's no reason why games uh, centered around music should go away ever. It's kind of like sports. And I that argument kind of single-handedly convinced me that I could be interested in a rock band or a guitar hero again. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's true. There's no... They, they overdid it, and especially Activision overdid it a few years ago, but... Music is something that is universal and that I would be happy to be enjoying in video game form uh, on an ongoing basis. So I think I'm 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 can be uh looking forward to Rock Band 4 or Guitar Hero whatever. For sure. Um, yeah. um I'm happy that they're allowing you to import your Rock Band 3 and Rock Band 2 and 1 DLC. Uh or that's that other, key, they're yeah. going to try to. Uh yeah. I actually had a cool idea yesterday well just where it'd be cool if like you could get like rock band four bars through karaoke bars you go and you rent out your rock band four machines mm. in these shops and you so instead of making it something you buy at home it's a big thing that you do i make center parties around it a center yeah. so basically like, karaoke but with instruments but with, but with rock band yeah i would do that i would I've certainly done for... that <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's been like my living room uh, five years ago <laughs> yeah 
But you see, again, we come to the apartment size. We don't all have yeah. your, you know, palaces and giant mansions that uh, <laughs> you have in the U.S. Um, well, it's interesting. They're not going to do the keyboard anymore, evidently. Um, so there's one fewer thing for you to uh, have to purchase or have to set up in your small apartment. Um, but um, yeah, I'm I'm ready for this to be back. I, I don't I don't uh, relish the idea of. Having to buy instruments again, I gave away all my instruments, and now it uh, looks like I'm going to have to <laughs> reacquire <regretting> them. <laughs> well, it, especially since they were, said they're working on trying to make the uh, instruments backwards compatible, although we'll see if that actually happens or not. But um, I certainly, uh, I'm ready. I love these games. They're fun. I agree with you that the arms race of music games, you know, they crushed under the weight of its own hubris, I believe. But um, mm -hmm. I, I, I think there's been enough time there's been enough music in the interim that I think would be fun to see in a game. Uh, and I'm ready to have that experience again. And I just hope that they stay true to what they, their messaging is now, which is sort of stripping it down and getting back to the core of what really made it fun. Yeah. I think what's another key thing about this, this is a reason for, or this amongst others is a reason that you're going to have to go to brick and mortar stores. <laughs> you can't buy, you can't download a, 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 get, a plastic guitar yet, exactly. unfortunately. Yeah, you, can, you have to go to the store and buy this big box, and that's going to be... 3D really... printing, guys. 3D printing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm ready for a guitar. Uh, yeah. Let's start with that. Um, but it's, you know, again, related to the music, I think there's... There, I don't listen to music nearly as much as I used to, and I think that might even be a way of getting me into to listen to new music. And I, I, I'm sort of in that situation where I, I, I love music. I've, I've enjoyed music tremendously for many, many years, but now there, it's kind of this thing that's on the side that I never find time to do. And I'm sure I would find more time if it, if it came in the tasty form of a video game. And then I would discover new bands maybe and, and go more to, to, the, to the music side of things. So I'm looking forward to it for sure. Absolutely. I think if they could do one thing that I'd love them to do, it'd be like a, instead of selling me DLC piecemeal, I would ask them to make it so I can pay $10 like a month Spotify style oh. have access to a complete library. If they could do that, I would buy this 100% as soon as it came out. I think I would pay $10. Maybe not 10 maybe 5 Yeah. I'd pay, five, I'd pay 5 to $10, yeah. yeah. Subscription. I, that, that could work. Five mm -hmm. to ten dollars subscription. That yeah, I think if they thought of it as a service instead of a game, mm -hmm. I think that would be huge. Yeah. And it's been something we've been talking about for a long time. We used to talk about that on we ha uh, we can confirmed. Um, just you know, make it into a service, make it into a service. But I I think it might mm -hmm. be trickier on their end than than we think. But I'm I'm hoping that's yeah. the direction they're headed. Yeah, it would be def it, it would definitely be be tricky they would need to negotiate with all of the labels individually and and yeah we know that much bigger players have had uh trouble with these kinds of things so yeah um, but that's the interesting thing about them porting the dlc from one two and three again though because that means they've got to re renegotiate those licenses as well yeah they do have relationships for sure so maybe yeah um all right last little tidbit um, which I, I, I just came across it today and it, it's the most bizarre thing ever. Even more weird than the uh, drones, ex virtual drones exploring the virtual space of No Man's Sky. Um, it's a game called Upsilon Circuit. 
that was uh, showed at PAX. Do you guys have mm -hmm. you guys heard of, the, of of that game? I haven't. Yes, yes, I have. Okay. It's um, uh, I think I just got a review code for it, actually. or not review code, review like press kits for it. Okay. Trying. Oh, it's yeah, that. It's okay. So let me, if, if you if you can explain, I, please go ahead. But yeah, if not, no. I have the. Yeah, so it's by Rob Robot Loves Kitty, who made Legend of Dungeon. They're indie developers, and it's basically it's an ARPG where you play as a, but it's like it's like American Gladiator. But instead of playing, so you play as you have eight players on a server, and you have people spectating that server, and it's the one server. And so when the player dies, another person joins the server. It's something like a death match between the whole world watching this one show. Hmm. But so the 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 really key thing in this game is that it's perma perma death. Yes. So it's not like your character dies for good and that's it. It's no, that you die. You, you your account you can in theory mm -hmm. never play it again. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you only have one go at that game and it gets even more tricky. Uh it gets into Hunger Games level because uh the people watching that one server with only eight players playing ever at the same time, uh they can decide to pay with microtransaction to send you bonuses, to send you help, or to drop enemies, more enemies on you. Crazy. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes that weird virtual, like seriously, it's like Hunger Games. I don't know if you guys have read or the, the books or seen the movies, yeah. but the, the people, so I could, I, you know, the, the people watching can send you packages in the Hunger Games and make you, uh, make it easier for you to, you know, help you out or make it more difficult, all of that. And, I'm sort of wondering if it couldn't become uh, this thing where some, you know, famous streamers are getting ready for their one chance at going in this game and trying to get people to support them. And at the same time, you have the trolls that are going to make them uh, their their game session more difficult. Pretty um, brilliant. It's, yeah. it's cool, right? Pretty smart. The These developers are, are really cool, really cool. Um, it's, so the developers, Robot Loves Kitty, are, it's a husband and wife development team. And the other game they made, uh, Legend of Dungeon, is absolutely fantastic. If you guys haven't played it, uh, what um, is it? I, I actually I don't think I even know what it is. It's basically it's a it's a roguelike where you go down between floors and you have to you have to uh, kill things and you randomly pick up masks and weapons. It's but the cool thing about it is that all the music is randomly generated. So every zone you go into has a different bar that randomly generates onto the next one. It's it's it's. A basic roguelike, but it's a really, really fun iteration of the genre. Hmm. Really fun game. Okay. All right, might have to check it out. Yeah. And I'm very curious to see if that uh, Upsilon something turns into into a little bit more Upsilon Circuit. It's uh, it's it's yeah. definitely a, a intriguing concept. Yeah. No, I I if if developers can pull off, I reckon that this team can. All right, we'll see, we'll see. And I would love for celebrities in the gaming industry or, you know, oh. otherwise to, to go in and, and do stuff. And maybe, you know, you, you can have like joint operations where the, the amount of money they make during that day where some eight famous people show up is given to charity or it's just such an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is. 
we'll see all right i think that's gonna be it for us um thank you guys it was it was very uh, enjoyable and both enthusiastic and soul-crushing show at the same time <laughs> yeah Absolutely. Um, so we are going to close the show, but before we do, uh, please tell the internets where they can find you uh, when you're not doing uh, this show. Um, let's start with James. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Atiagovos. That's I-Y-A-G-O-V-O-S. And wait, I... wait, 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 wait. Can you say that again? Because every <laughs> time, James. <laughs> uh, it's I-Y-A-G-O-V-O-S. All right. Um, the link Iagovos. would be in the, in the notes. Yes, um, and I produce stuff for IndieLove.com, which is a purely indie games-focused uh, website and my own site, InitiativeCheck.com. Excellent. Thanks very much. Uh, Jeff, what about yourself? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, at Jeff Kanata. That's with two N's and one T. And I, uh, my video game show is called DLC. It's at 5x5.tv slash DLC. Uh, my comedy show is called We Have Concerns. It's at WeHaveConcerns.com. And my movie show is called The Slash Filmcast over at SlashFilm.com. You can find that at SlashFilmcast.com. Podcasting behemoth. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yes. The bohemoth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very cool. Uh, I am not Patrick on Twitter, and you can find this show and uh, I was going to say others, but one other at Frenchspin.com. Uh, the other one is about international news with uh, international people from different countries and culture, and I enjoy it very much as well. If you want to comment, uh, please go to Frenchspin.com, as I was saying, uh, and I guess that's going to be it. We will come back in a couple of weeks with more video game news. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.